Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's a Wednesday. It's May 24th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. But as a reminder, no show, the Sports Zone, or Extra Point tomorrow on Thursday, paving the way for ASU baseball competing in game number two of the Pac-12 tournament as they take on Oregon State. State pregame at 945 first pitch at 10 o'clock with Tim Healy on the call that's once again tomorrow uh, so the sports zone and extra point will be back on Friday but we still have plenty to get into in today's program so let's do it with the poll questions and we'll start with the kdos1060.com poll question should the Cardinals settle for anything in return to trade DeAndre Hopkins yes remains out in front down just a touch here 56% of the vote no no trailing at 44%. Yeah, I think the assumption, well, two assumptions. One, I don't think there's any question. The first part's not an assumption, but I don't think there's any doubt that you know, he's been available uh, since the second teams could trade for you know, anybody in the NFL. Uh, it seems likely, highly likely, that he will not be on the uh, Cardinals roster at the start of the season. So the thing is now, what can they get in return? And every time you hear some of the national insiders talk about Hopkins, what they could expect in return just gets lower and lower every time. Now it's pretty much anything, any draft pick is pretty much what I heard this week. Uh, you know, I remember Field Yates uh, from ESPN weeks ago uh, reported at that point the best they could probably do is a third-round pick in this past now that's past draft uh, and that's even declined further as we've gone through that draft so it's uh plus there's the financial issue with hopkins and so forth so you know i don't even know if it's legal that the cardinals could pay part of his salary to trade him you can do that in baseball and basketball but i don't know if you can do that because of the salary cap implications in the nfl but, you know, not only do they just maybe have to take anything in return for Hopkins, they might actually have to pay some of his salary to get him out of here, quote, unquote. That's kind of a strong statement, but they don't think – I think they would, but the best-case scenario, they'd like to have him here. And then the last few days, Hopkins is talking about how he wants to play with a, court, with a quarterback that loves the game. Uh, so, you know, whether that's a – you can you know, make your own assumption whether that's a direct shot at Kyler Murray or not. I think the other thing that you probably have to factor in if when you're analyzing this poll question is, uh, do you think that the trade value increases if you wait until closer to the trade deadline for a team that thinks they have a real legitimate shot but are a wide receiver away or an injury was suffered? So you take that potential gamble into how stagnant the market is right now. Yeah, I don't think he can wait for the trade deadline. I don't think there's any way that he could start this season on the roster, um, especially after what seemed to be 
shots at Kyler Murray this week. Uh, I don't remember those things from before. I mean, he's gone from like you know, a month ago saying that he wants to play in the organization, and yeah, you know, they got the uh, the OTAs going on this week. And like as I last I heard when we talked on Monday, he's like in Canada, uh, you know, working on his body or whatever. Uh, a lot of people think he's going to end up in Buffalo. I don't know if there's any idea, any geographic, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know whatever that he's supposedly in Canada and he might end up in Buffalo. But uh, it, it just, I, I can't imagine that they would start the season with him on the injured list. I think if they, if he's actually on the roster when training camp starts, at that point, I think they're waiting to see if somebody has an injury at wide receiver. And they could trade him by the start of the season. But I would be stunned if he played another game in a Cardinals uniform. We'll answer this question a little bit more in depth around 1130. Still time for you to cast your vote as well. KDOS1060.com. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Should the Diamondbacks trade free agent to be Lourdes Gurrell Jr. for pitching help? And no remains out in front at 70.8% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 29.2%. Okay, here's the dynamic here. Obviously, he's been really good. Um, and you know, the, the Diamondbacks on the other side of this, though, he's a free agent to be at the end of the season. I don't think there's uh, you know, there's very slim chance, if any, that Gurriel Jr. is on this roster next season. They've got a tremendous arsenal of young outfielders, some of them on the major leagues right now. Some of them upcoming included Drew Jones, who they, you know was their top draft pick here recently, uh, and so forth. But they're, they're not going to keep him, so he's going to—he's worth getting an arm in return. Now, the starting pitching market, at least as of right now, and we've got—I think I said the other day—it's like a month away for the trade. Like two months. It's the end of July. I had a little calendar lapse in my brain there, uh, you know, and I have plenty of lapses in my brain, so. The diff- difference now is I can just blame last year's stroke for those things, and before I had no excuse. Uh, so there you go. But uh, you know, they're, they're, he's not going to be on their team next year. So you know, I think they need to get whatever they can for him now. Um, and yeah, I think he could get a maybe a decent starting pitcher, but there's not that many out there. Clearly, yeah, he could help them. You know, the you know, reload or I don't even know if reloads the right term, but improve their bullpen. And I think the Diamondbacks, for long-term success this season, are going to need at least another starting pitcher because uh, it doesn't seem like it's coming from the minor leagues this year. And also, they definitely need some bullpen arms, which we saw as recently as last night when some of the guys they're relying upon uh, don't always come through. Uh, the masses, as I said, are on the no side of things, and we will get into this question more in depth around 1130 today. Still time for you to cast your vote on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Want to make mention that we'll be uh, heading out to the KDOS hotline to be joined by Frank Schwab, NFL rules changes, adaptations, uh, NFL player contracts, etc. With Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports at 1015 today. We'll take your calls at 1030 and 1115. The number 602 
360-1060. We'll save uh, the Celtics living to see another game by beating the Heat last night, 116 to one, uh, 116-99 to for a little bit later on in the program. But speaking of the Diamondbacks, they're currently underway right now in Philadelphia, that getaway game in the morning. Uh, you have uh, Suarez and going for the Phillies, Zach Gallen going for the Diamondbacks. Gallen looking for a bounce-back performance after what was kind of a, a, an astonishing and struggle start for him against the Pirates. Yeah, he was obviously really bad in that start. Uh, Friday night, this is against the Pirates, who really are you know, kind of they, – they've become the Pirates again. Uh, the Pirates, before that game on Friday night, in their last 10 games, it hit 204. That game on Friday night, they scored eight runs off a gallon. Now, three of those were unearned runs. And also, it was mainly a lot of walks, a couple errors. Uh, they only got two hits and three you – know, they had three walks. Gallon had three walks, but they only got two hits on the eight runs, which is nuts. He did have seven strikeouts, but didn't get out of the didn't get out of the fourth inning in that start. So uh, we'll see how he bounces back. Yeah, interesting, uh, I think, for any right-handed pitcher going against the the uh, the Phillies lineup with several left-handed studs. I've not seen the Philly. I think I assume all the Phillies left-handed hitters are playing today. I haven't seen a lineup yet, but uh, you know, it's a. Uh, not the easiest matchup. Plus, it's a little bandbox that they play in there in Philadelphia, and the ball flies out at night, more so even in the day. And obviously, this is a day game as the game has just uh, just started, and the Diamondbacks are looking up. Have a guy on second base right now. Yeah, they actually have a guy on third and second. Uh, Corbin Carroll hit his 13th double of the season, getting to Ranger Suarez here early. Uh, Two on, nobody out in the top of the first inning. We will step aside, and as I mentioned, uh, previewing Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports. We'll find out what some of these rule changes are. Uh, Some of them are only adapted for one season, I guess as a test run to see how it goes. Others uh, might be a little bit more permanent in nature we'll find out uh, what frank thinks about some contract situations the arizona cardinals with deandre hopkins maybe even throw in buda baker in that conversation as well so frank schwab of yahoo sports is coming up on the other side of the break speaking of the diamondbacks though they're home this weekend hosting the red Sox, and you can be a winner of tickets by downloading the KDOS 1060 app, register and follow along with the instructions for listener hours for a pair of tickets to Saturday's game. You can also find out more information by going to dbacks.com slash tickets. It is the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060 on this Wednesday, May 24th. HD Radio is here for KDOS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. For some NFL conversation, we pop on out to the KDOS hotline. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, joining Bob and myself. Frank, how are you doing today? Doing good, doing good. How about you guys? 
We're doing all right here. Uh, the NFL, I, I swear, every time I turn around, they're having league meetings. Well, they had some more league meetings here, uh, the spring league meetings. And with that, some rule changes and adoptions are taking place. Hopefully you can help us sort through some of it. I want to start with the Thursday night football flexing component. The vote passed 24 to 8 on a trial basis for the 2023 season. The NFL can turn a Sunday afternoon game into a Thursday night game during weeks 13 to 17. And there is is required, though, to be a minimum 28 days notice. This really seems to be getting further away from maybe the fan at the stadium experience and even for the players as well. Uh, instead, chasing the broadcast money and viewership here. What do you make of this trial for the 2023 season and will it be met with positivity at all? Yeah, I, I don't really like it. I, I do think there's Look, I, I'm not trying to you know call anybody out who might be listening, but I do think there's some hypocrisy with this because how often have people complained about the Thursday night matchup? How often have you gotten on yeah. Facebook, Twitter, wherever, and just were like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe we're watching Atlanta, Carolina. This is the worst matchup ever. Well, that's why the NFL did this. They did this so they don't get stuck with bad matchups. So, you know, presumably, anyway, theoretically, they're going to – I mean, a lot can change in 28 days, like you said. I mean, you're, you're not guaranteed it, but – this was because of all the complaints about the Thursday night matchups. You can't also then complain, oh, my goodness, how, how could the NFL do this to us? Well, you, they did it because everybody complained about the matchups. So is it getting away from the fan experience in stadium? Yeah, probably. I mean, but if you look at the, the difference between the, the stadium attendance and the, the TV ratings, I mean, well, it's, this is for the majority of people. I don't like it from the player health uh, safety standpoint. I don't think teams should have to play on Thursday night more than once a year. I don't think there should be Thursday night football at all, to be honest. I, I think that, you know, Thanksgiving, I guess, uh, maybe uh, one or two special weeks, uh, get week one, obviously. But I think, you know, in a, in a broad picture, I think Thursday night football, it just the, the risks outweigh the rewards. We'll, really, we'd, we'd live without a game every single Thursday night. But now that you have it, the, the fact is, you know, you're giving enough notice. I know some people are going to be put out, but – it is designed to get better matchups, so I can see this working. And then, you know, I mean, everybody likes to complain about everything the NFL does, so there's a lot, you know, there's nothing else going on, so people are going to complain about it now. But I think when you swap out some Rams-Saints game in Week 14 when both teams are below 500 and you give us, you know, Chiefs-Chargers or whatever it's going to be for the AFC West title, I think there's going to be a lot less complaining in December. Totally agree with that whole thing about Thursday night football. Can they come up with a rule change in the NFL where the, uh, the Cardinals can uh, trade DeAndre Hopkins somewhere? Um, also, <laughs> at this at, at this point, should they just are the Cardinals are in a position where they have to take pretty much anything in return for Hopkins? And one other thing about Hopkins, I'm not sure how the salary cap rules work out on this. Do they have to pay some of his salary just to take a team to you know another team to take him take him away from the Cardinals at this point? I mean, it depends if somebody can fit him within the cap. I, I mean, he I think he has a pretty big cap number. I haven't looked it up lately. But he, he I, I think that that might entice it. Yeah, yeah, right. And that might entice teams. I mean, you see that happen. It happened with Baker Mayfield uh, kind of not famously last year, but everybody knew that the Carolina Panthers paid basically nothing. The Cleveland Browns said, please take him. What can we get? We'll pay, I think it was almost all of his salary. I mean, maybe 80% of it or whatever. The same thing might have to happen with Hopkins. Let's say... You know, you're dealing with, uh, you know, the Buffalo Bills, let's say. I mean, because they've been rumored to be, you know, with that. 
Let's say the Bills don't really have the cap space for it. But if the Cardinals do have cap space, because they didn't really spend much this offseason, strangely, if the Car- Cardinals say, look, okay, we, you're dangling a fifth-round pick to us for DeAndre Hopkins. What if we pay his whole salary and give us a third? I think at that point, the Buffalo Bills might be like, hmm, that ain't a bad deal. And then it's kind of a win-win situation. I, I can't imagine DeAndre Hopkins being with the Cardinals all year. They might be to the point of, let's just wait till the trade deadline. Teams are going to get desperate. Teams who are in playoff contention realize we're one receiver short, and, and DeAndre Hopkins can be that guy. It's risky, but I think that it's pretty clear that, that they just didn't get the deal they wanted. They didn't get the offer they wanted. They, they, you know, they gave up a lot for DeAndre Hopkins to Houston. Now, that's not the same DeAndre Hopkins a few years down the road, but he's still a good player, and clearly they didn't get the compensation they wanted. But I think you're right. I, I think that taking on some of his salary, which Arizona can clearly do with their cap space, it's just whether ownership wants to kind of pay the money, uh, and that's a big question, obviously, with that ownership a lot of times. I think that that might be what gets a deal done eventually, whether it's in June sometime, whether it's right before the trade deadline. I just It would be shocking to me to see DeAndre Hopkins play all season with the Cardinals. Frank Schwab, NFL Conversation, Yahoo Sports here on KDUS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. I'm going back to the rules here. The kickoff rule is being adjusted for this year. The team will have the option to keep the ball where uh, they catch it or if the ball is caught behind the 25-yard line, advancing it to the 25-yard line. This really just seems like uh, we're taking away some of the strategy out of kickoffs. Obviously, there's player safety behind it. Some squib kicks might no longer be part of the game plan. So are we just one step closer to eliminating kickoffs altogether in the NFL game? Yeah, pretty much. I, I think the NFL is to a point where they want to eliminate the kickoff without eliminating the kickoff. I think if they ever were to say, we're just not doing a kickoff anymore, I think that even even fans who understand it would be kind of like, I oh, don't know, that, that stinks. Like, NFL's kickoff. <laughs> you, you kick off a football game. That's what you do. Like the NBA getting rid of a tip-off. Like, what? Like, what are we doing? Um, so it would be jarring to some people. So I think the NFL is like sits there and says, how can we get rid of the kickoff without basically getting rid of the kickoff? Like, and this would be the best way. I mean, I, I have no problem with it. I totally understand it. Yes, it's a bummer, but if you're basically eliminating that play to get rid of a lot of concussions, I'm fine. That's fine. It, it makes perfect sense to me. It's totally reasonable to me. So, I, but yes, I think this is the NFL's way. This rule, especially of saying, yeah, we'll have a we'll have a guy be kicking the ball at the beginning of the game, but it's really not going to be a play. Everybody's going to start on the 25-yard line one way or another. Now there's going to be teams that use a strategy. I mean, a team like the Patriots, which is always a step ahead, they're going to figure they're going to figure out some way to get you know how to use this to their advantage. I'm sure, but uh, we will. We'll yes, the NFL definitely wants to get rid of the kickoff. I'm, I, I think everybody realizes that. Okay, I'm going to leave the rules stuff to Kayla. She's a really good person and follows rules all the time. <laughs> I, I'm not, and I don't. So I want to go back to the Cardinals for a minute. Buda Baker has requested a trade. I know there's some speculation out there. Maybe he just wants more money from the Cardinals. But, you know, you know I know it's impossible to know this, answer this question. But, you know, how much could they get for Buda Baker if they traded him? I think a lot. I mean, you look at what – and, I mean, maybe Seattle is the only team to be willing to do this deal – but you look at what they gave up for Jamal Adams a couple of years ago, I think a couple first-round picks. I don't know yeah. that another team would do that because safety is not that valuable in the NFL. But Buda Baker is one of those difference makers. I, I mean, he is a heck of a football player. And if I'm Jonathan Gannon, 
I'm saying, you know what? Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, let's get what we can from him. He's 31, 30, whatever he is right now. Let's get what we can for him. That makes sense. But Buda Baker is a guy I want in the locker room. I want on the field. I want on my defense. Let's make him happy. If he wants to be the highest paid safety in football, fine. Who else are we paying? Like, the Cardinals have – it's kind of weird. that They're just kind of hoarding, like, all this money right now. And, and, and they – you know, aside from Kyler, they're just – you know, and DeAndre is getting paid too. But I, I would – you know, that's part of the deal. If you trade DeAndre, maybe you have money to pay Buda. I just remember watching him on the the Hard Knocks. I think it was the end season Hard Knocks. It's been kind of shocked, not shocked, but but really like eye opened by how much of a leader he is. How guys really follow him. How how he really attacks the game. I, I really respect him a lot more after seeing Hard Knocks actually, and it just on the field it speaks for itself. So I think Cardinals got to do what they got to do to make Buda Baker a, a foundational piece of what they're trying to build. I know it's going to get ugly this year for the Cardinals, but. He's the kind of guy you don't you don't just give up for a draft pick. You, you say no, let's let's work this thing out because he can. He's a guy who we want to set the tone in the locker room for the next few years to come. Frank Schwab, NFL conversation. He's coming to us from Yahoo Sports here on KDOS AM ten sixty in the extra point. Okay, one more rule for me here. Help us understand <laughs> this new emergency quarterback rule. We obviously saw what happened to the 49ers in that NFC championship game with their QB situation. So uh, is this a good compromise? How will it help the way that this uh, emergency quarterback rule is structured? Yeah, and I think it's going to come into play very, very infrequently. I mean, what we saw in the NFC Championship game was it was memorable, obviously. It was on a big stage, but I don't remember any other time during the season when it kind of came to that, where two quarterbacks were, you know, you basically had two quarterbacks were knocked out and you basically had to play Christian McCaffrey on direct snaps or whatever. So I don't think it's going to happen that frequently. It used to be in place, and I think it's fine. I think it's. It's totally one of those whatever. Like, I mean, if, the, if it, it, there's no harm in this rule, I think that it helps on the rare occasion that you get two quarterbacks knocked out. None of us want to see a football game where legitimately the 49ers had no shot. Like, they, they was just done. The game was over. When Josh Johnson, probably maybe even Brock Purdy was knocked out of the game, but really when Josh Johnson was knocked out of the game, everybody knew the 49ers can't even run an offense here against a really, really good Eagles team. The game's over. It's not competitive. We're just wasting the next two hours of our lives. Nobody wants to see that. So if this helps them now, it, it, if this happens once or twice a season, if this helps that. I, who, who would be against it? I, this just seemed like a kind of an obvious rule. I, all right, let's just do this so in case this comes up again. Okay, so Aaron Rodgers actually is participating in the offseason, and now he has a calf problem. So, uh, But uh, you know, the bottom line here, do you believe in the 2023 Jets with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback? I really do. I mean, maybe I'm just buying the hype, and it's exciting and, and all that, but how many times did we watch this team last year? And just especially I, everybody remembers, I think, who was watching that game on Thursday night against Jacksonville, or even if you watched the Patriots game, uh, where they just – how many times did we watch the Jets and say, if they just had a competent quarterback, this would be a playoff team. Like, this would be a, a, a dangerous playoff team. Well, now they got a competent quarterback. Now, the calf injury is not a big deal right now. Obviously, it may. Who cares? But it is a big deal because it, it highlights that this is going to be 40 years old in December. And there's no guarantee he lasts the full season. Most quarterbacks are hitting the wall at age 40. Tom Brady is the exception. He is not the new rule. He's not, not going to be a lot of guys playing until they're 45 and leading the, NF, leading the NFL in passing yards and TDs at age 44. That's just not going to happen very often. So it's a reminder that, that this is a little tenuous. Uh, 
And I mean, the, the further I get down the road, the more I wonder if I'm really just kind of overlooking the Buffalo Bills, who still have a great roster. They were awesome last year. They just flopped in the playoffs. Uh, and maybe just the shiny new toy is kind of taking my attention away with the Jets. But I do believe I there, there's core of young players. They've done a great job drafting. I mean, they obviously they had the offensive player, rookie of the year last year and the defensive rookie of the year last year. And the guy who would have won offensive rookie of the year tore his ACL, running back Brees Hall. So, I mean, they've just done a great job stocking the shelves. They just needed a quarterback. I'm really interested to see what happens now that they got a quarterback. I, I think the team, you know, I think – Robert Sala this week came out and said something to the effect of there's six, six to eight teams that won a Super Bowl this year, and we're one of them. And it's kind of a it's something pretty dramatic for a coach to say that. But I read, yeah, you're right. They're, they are one of, let's say, eight teams that I can legitimately see winning a, a championship this year. They have that upside. The defense, offensive skill position, talent is great. And now they got the quarterback. If he's, if he's a, He doesn't need to be the MVP anymore. He's not going to be the MVP anymore. But can he be a top 10 quarterback still? Yeah, sure. Why not? And if he is, the Jets ceiling is the Super Bowl. Sticking with the quarterback theme here, according to Kyle Shanahan, he said Brock Purdy is allowed to begin throwing next week sometime. Uh, you know, this is another team that, you know, once they can figure out the quarterback position, they have the offensive playmakers in place. They have a defense as well. So what should we expect out of this QB room now that it includes Purdy? Then you also have whatever's going on with Trey Lance, the rumors about him being traded or not traded. And then they brought in Sam Darnold in the offseason. I've never really seen anything like the 49ers as far as when you look at the odds, uh, they have, at least last time I checked, tied for the highest win total in the NFC. And we have no idea who the quarterback is going to be. I mean, that speaks to how good they are around the quarterback that we could be like, yeah, we don't know who their quarterback is going to be, but 12 and a half wins. You got the over under. I mean, it's just crazy to me. But they've positioned themselves well that way. I just wonder, look, I think it could be Purdy if he's healthy. I think that. They like what they saw last year. He runs Kyle Shanahan's offense well. Kyle Shanahan just wants a robot. I've said this before many times. He does not want a, a freelancer, and that's not a pun on Trey's name. He doesn't want a guy who's going to go off script. He wants Jimmy Garoppolo. He wants Brock Purdy. Here's the play. Run it. Get the ball to Debo Samuel and get out of the way. I mean, that's that's what he. That's why he has this crazy Kirk Cousins fetish still. Like he, Kirk Cousins is just going to run the offense. He's not going to run around in pocket and try to make a play. He's just going to be like, oh, you want the ball to go here? I'll deliver the ball. So Purdy's perfect for that. But we have to wonder. I mean, look, Brock Purdy played really well in the circumstances. But are we totally convinced that Brock Purdy, especially with a you know a repaired UCL? is going to be that guy again, or was that just a hot streak he got on? You know, I mean, he's got the blackjack table hitting 19 and getting a two. I mean, is is Brock Purdy for real? I don't know. Maybe he is, and maybe this is just another Tony Romo story, but I think that it, there's some skepticism over whether he's healthy, whether he's actually this good, and what happens to the 49ers if he's not? Hey, Trey Lance is – I like him. I like his talent, but – Maybe he just doesn't fit this offense. Maybe he's just not a very good quarterback. We haven't seen him play. It's so impossible to tell what he is. And Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold. I don't buy this like, oh, wow, Sam Darnold's going to have this career renaissance. Maybe. I mean, Kyle Shannon's a really good coach, but he's never really done it. So, I don't know. I don't. It's fascinating because the 49ers have still a Super Bowl upside. They're one of those eight teams that go win a Super Bowl. And we have no idea what's happening at quarterback. It just, it, it's, it's unlike anything I've really ever seen before. Last up for me, are there a couple of teams, uh, either via free agency and or the draft, who have really impressed 
uh, impressed you with what they've added during the last few weeks here? Sure. I, I think Pittsburgh has had a great offseason. I mean, they've added a lot of key pieces. They had a great draft. I mean, everybody's talking about Philly's draft, and rightfully so. Pittsburgh had a really good draft. And Mike Tomlin got the most out of that team last year. And if Kenny Pickett takes a step forward, they could really be an interesting team. I, I like what they've done. I, I think that they've put themselves in position to be back in playoff contention right away and not have this kind of dip that we all expected. Or even that we expected early last year when they looked terrible. I, everybody thought, okay, they're going to lose 10 games. And no, they didn't. And they had a really good offseason. And then the other team is everybody's favorite, the Detroit Lions. They, look, I, I didn't agree with every single draft pick they made. I wouldn't draft a, a small running back 12th. I wouldn't draft an off-ball linebacker 18th. I just, I, I just don't like the position value there. But they got good players, and they got really good players in free agency. And obviously they finished last season, I think, on an 8-2 run. I, you just look at the Detroit, it's weird to talk about the Detroit Lions this way, obviously. They haven't won a division title since 1993, back when it was, you know, the NFC Central. But uh, if they don't win the NFC North this year, is it ever going to happen? Ever? It's just, they are positioned so well in that division with everybody else having questions that the roster is really good. They should have confidence coming into the season. If the Detroit Lions don't do it this season, I don't know when it's going to happen because this is their year. This is their year to go win the division. Frank, as always, we greatly appreciate you taking some time with us. Look forward to doing it again as the offseason rolls on. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Once again, he is Frank Schwab with Yahoo Sports. You know, it's interesting about the Steelers. We were talking briefly about them yesterday uh, with some of the moves and, and grades about them. Or I guess at yesterday is incorrect. It was Monday we were talking about them. And we forgot about how Patrick Peterson had joined there in free agency and how that'll probably be a really good system for him in, in zone coverage that the Steelers want to run. Correct. And uh, he made a really good choice with uh, his uh going to Minnesota and they played tons of zone and you know, he had a tremendous season last year won a couple of big games for them including that uh, game at Buffalo uh, in which Jefferson got all the attention because they made the greatest catch in the history of the NFL but Peterson had two huge interceptions in that game and uh, one of them was just kind of scheme the other one was just he's a smart guy uh, and a smart football player so that's a, uh, Pittsburgh is a perfect place for him to go at this point of his career. 602-260-1060. That's the number. Call now. We'll get to you next. It's the Extra Point. Need social information about KDUS AM 1060? Try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Thanks to Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, taking time talking NFL with us. And if you missed any of the conversation, you can always podcast over at KDOS1060.com or with the KDOS 1060 app. 602-260-1060, the number to join the program if you'd like to chime in on NFL, NBA topics, or of course, Major League Baseball as the Diamondbacks are currently in their getaway game against the Phillies. Zach Gallen is on the mound. He's uh, pitched two scoreless innings, and the Diamondbacks are leading 1-0 here in the top of the third. 
Let's get into the Celtics and the heat from last night. The Celtics staving off elimination as they won 116-99. to 99. Uh, For me, the difference here was the ability for Miami to knock down threes versus their ability uh, last night, or inability, I should say, to knock down threes last night. They were just 8 of 32, 25%. Meanwhile, the Celtics were 18 of 45 for 40%. In the previous three games, Miami had been 19 of 35 from behind the arc, 9 of 26, and 16 of 31. We've seen this, though, from the Heat, where there's been a couple of games where uh, the three ball just wasn't falling for them, and they were able to bounce right back. Uh, To me, though, I understand those shooting numbers, but to me, even in the first half when the Celtics were not winning, uh, the Heat throughout this postseason, if there's a loose ball, it's an enormous possibility that they're going to get the loose ball. They never got loose balls last night. And Jimmy Butler even talked about he didn't think they had any energy to start the game, even though they were winning. I believe they're up six at halftime, and then the second half onslaught occurred. But I just don't think they showed up. And the the Celtics obviously made shots in the second half. They outscored uh, the Heat in the second half 66-43. to They had 18-0 and 13-0 runs in the second half. You're pretty sure that if you can pull that off, uh, I don't think there's too many teams that have runs like that that have lost a game if they've had an 18-0 and a 13-0 run in the same half. So we'll see what happens. But you know, the Celtics did make shots. But to me, is that uh, they were far more aggressive uh, than the Heat, and uh, that's something. Uh, you know, the Heat is you know they have the you know the official loose ball stats, 50-50 ball stats. I guess those aren't official. Those are just kind of the things that teams keep. They get them all, all the time. And uh, there was a possession, literally, you know, like the first or second possession of the game where I wish I remembered the players involved, but there was a loose ball. There's like four Heat players, and it was Robert Williams. And he got the ball. And, uh, you know, that was, you know, he's an aggressive guy. But, uh, you know, those are the kind of things that the Heat have been getting every time, seemingly, in the first three playoff series of 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 the year here. Uh, yeah, and in the elimination game as well, Jason Tatum, 14 of 22, 4 of 9 from 3, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, and 33 points. Uh, the Celtics live to see another game on Thursday. The line opened up with the Heat plus 7.5, Celtics minus 7.5 this morning. I got a question from a Celtics standpoint here. Do you believe in momentum here? Will this be the catalyst for the Celtics to make a charge to come back? Or was it just a game that they gave everything they had to avoid uh, being swept? And then, as you also mentioned in, in your previous comments there, uh, a game where the Heat just kind of didn't have that same match of intensity and energy. I don't believe in momentum at all. It's, you know, In baseball, it's as good as your next day's starting pitcher. I think in this case for the Celtics, it's uh, you know, some of it's whether they make threes or not. But the other thing is, you know, their fans turned on them the last home game they played, and how long it might it be before they turn on them again if they don't start off well. Also, the the uh, the Celtics had 16 turnovers in this game. Uh, they excuse me, they forced 16 turnovers, and that's the most they've had in any game in this series. Might be that might be the most. They don't force a ton of turnovers anyway. But that might be the most that they've actually forced in any playoff game in this postseason. Uh, in fact, they, they NBA TV did say that last night. That is the most they forced in any game this off this, this uh, postseason. Uh, I didn't have time to double check that, so I'm assuming they're correct. 
so that's another thing I think maybe to look for pretty early in the game on uh, on Thursday night whether you know they're you know, able to do a get the loose balls or at least hold their own in the loose balls uh, and uh, force turnovers and uh, you know in the cell I would imagine most teams if they have the turnover advantage they have a you know much higher winning percentage but especially the Celtics because they get a lot of points out their defense when they are forcing turnovers and rebounding uh you also mentioned about being at home here in the playoffs so far they are four and five straight up at home so does that concern you at all oh yeah I mean they they even in some of the games they've won at home they haven't been good uh, so, yeah, their defense has just, I think, been a, a incredibly disappointing in the postseason. And it's something that I mentioned from the early stages of the Atlanta series. Is, you know, they were number one ranked in defensive efficiency and all kinds of you know, metrics and non-metrics and old-time defensive stats, etc. And in the postseason, they've been, I would say, at least from the eye test, average at best. I don't really care what the metrics say, but they have not been a good defensive team. They were in the second half last night, but I think the uh, the Heat, I, didn't, I don't want to say that they kind of checked it in, but when you give up 18-0 and 13-0 runs in one half, uh, you kind of wonder, you know, where is the aggression from the opponent coming? We'll save some of the Lakers and the Nuggets conversation for our number two. Uh, but Sham Sharania of uh, the uh, uh, the yeah the Athletic uh, narrowed in the five finalists for the Phoenix Suns. His reporting is Nick Nurse, Frank Vogel, Doc Rivers, Kings assistant Jordy Fernandez, and Suns assistant Kevin Young, and says that the five finalists are set to meet with Suns owner Matt Ishbia in Michigan next week. Well, this has already been refuted by several other news organizations that there are other candidates involved, including uh, Kenny Atkinson, who used to be uh, the head coach for the uh, Brooklyn Nets, or were they in Brooklyn then, or New Jersey, whatever the Nets, uh, wherever they were located. Uh, So there, like I said, multiple other organizations have already said this is an inaccurate report that they're down to these five guys. It's always interesting to see, you know, whose ear has what uh, insider, if you will, and then kind of follow and track what reporting they have and, and therefore then what ends up unfolding. Kind of very similar yeah. to the, the NFL, like uh, an Adam Schefter and an Ian Rappaport, what, uh, who they kind of go down what path with and what, then what ends up happening. That's why I don't pay much attention to this crap, quite frankly. Um, just let me know in the press conferences and I'll pay attention. Uh, I do know that you aren't a fan, though, if it were to be Suns assistant Kevin Young, but it does seem like other reporting has indicated that, you know, Kevin Durant or Devin Booker would be, uh, you know, fine, happy with him if he were promoted. I could care less whether those guys are happy or not, quite frankly, as opposed to if they played better in the last series, they wouldn't have fired Monty Williams. That's it. You know, you can say that partly it's their fault that they had to get a new coach and they shouldn't have fired Monty Williams to begin with. And I could, especially with Booker, I don't give a damn what he thinks anymore. Not that I did a lot before and, uh, him not showing up for the post game press conference after they got eliminated, after he had a terrible game, and not showing up the next day uh, for the last media availability is just Bush League. And I assume that the league fined him for that because they certainly made it very public that they fined Jimmy Butler for not showing up 
after, uh, yeah, actually before the game yesterday uh, in the uh, morning shoot-around uh, version of the press conferences. Uh, so I assume that Booker, and he should have been fined for that. And, you know, the, I don't think there's been enough public criticism in the Valley about him not doing that. That's part of being a leader. You want to be, you know, the face of the franchise. You got to show up when things don't go well, and he did not. The Diamondbacks now have a 3 nothing lead over the Phillies here. They're getting to Ranger Suarez in the top of the third. Corbin Carroll with another hit. Uh, Rivera brings him home. Uh, so the Diamondbacks on top, 3 nothing. As for Zach Gallen, uh, it's been two innings, no hits, no runs, no walks, no strikeouts, 27 pitches, 19 strike strikeouts uh, so far or 19 strikes, I should say, in the contest for Zach Gallen with the Diamondbacks leading 3 nothing. We'll get into some golf talk on the other side of the break. In addition to that, our friends with Putting World, they're doing something special for a lucky caller here today, a $50 gift certificate to go check out Putting World. So stay tuned for that opportunity. Uh, the PGA Tour is at the Charles Schwab Challenge in Fort Worth, Texas. So we'll dive into all of that next. It is the extra point right here on KDUS AM 1060. Easy Sports Talk with former NFL and MLB player Ed Smith and co-host Javon Adams airs Saturday mornings 10 to noon on KDUS AM 1060. point here on KDOS AM 1060 on this Wednesday, May 24th. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. A reminder though, no sports zone, no extra point tomorrow as ASU baseball is playing game number two in the Pac-12 tournament against Oregon State. Pre-game is at 945 and first pitch is at 10 a.m. That can be heard here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Our friends over at Putting World, located in Scottsdale, 16259 North Scottsdale Road, open Sunday through Thursday, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Friday and Saturday, 10 a.m. to midnight. They're always offering up uh, some fun and putting contests on Saturday night with some cash prizes, great food and drinks at Bar 19. Get help with your putting stroke and get fit into the right putter with the performance studios, all the technologies and the coaches that are available to you. And with the heat coming, get out of the heat enjoy some fun bragging rights with friends and family over at putting world puttingworld.com uh the pga tour even though there was a major championship last week it continues on the charles schwab challenge at colonial country club in fort worth texas this week colonial country club is certainly known as a classical golf course with narrow fairways uh it's certainly very precision orientated it's actually going to be going through a restoration process this year by Gil Hans uh, because Colonial has been a staple on the PGA Tour for a long time since 1946 in fact it's one of the shortest golf courses on the tour and so they're going to try to uh, you know, keep it, keep it, uh, preserve the good and also bring it up to speed with today's technology and how good these professional golfers are. So let's try to figure out what to do this week. You have Scotty Scheffler atop the board. This is unbelievable what his odds are for the week. Plus 400. 
I mean, I know Scotty Scheffler is really good. He gained like nearly 12 strokes uh, hitting the golf ball last week. Didn't win, but finished in a tie for second. But plus 400 in a field that also includes Victor Hovland, who's 14 to 1. Jordan Spieth with his Texas ties, 14 to 1. Tony Finau, 14 to 1. Colin Morikawa, 16 to 1. And Sanjay M, 18 to 1. Plus 400 is just staggering. Can't do it. Uh, we're going to go Justin Rose, though, for a top 20 at plus 150. He's playing some great golf this year. He got back into the winner's circle earlier as well. He finished tied for ninth at the PGA, so a little maybe concern about how, uh, I guess, mindset-wise he's going to be coming into this event, but if you're playing some good golf, you oftentimes can keep it rolling. He's played well here also, a tie for 20th in 2021, tie for third in 2020, and he won the event in 20. We're also going Tommy Fleetwood, top 20 at plus 145. He finished tied for 18th at the PGA, a tied for 5th at Wells Fargo. He's striking it well, and we're starting to see some gains on the greens. We're going in a head-to-head matchup. Cameron Davis over Brian Harmon, riding the momentum of Sunday's success for Cam. He also played well here last year in a tie for 7th, and our long shot is Brendan Todd, top 40 at plus 105. He finished 3rd here in 2022, tied for 8th in 2021. Historically, this type of golf course fits Brendan Todd's game. A really good putter and an accurate ball striker. And we'll throw in as well Colin Morikawa, 16 to 1. He's too good to not be in the winner's circle yet this season. But as I mentioned, Putting World offering up a $50 gift certificate for you to go check out all of the fun at 16259 North Scottsdale Road. Right now, it's caller number three. You win the gift certificate. And make sure you go have some fun and let me know how it is. What do you score when uh, you complete the 18-hole putting course? 602-260-1060 is the number. Caller 3, 602-260-1060 for the $50 gift certificate to Putting World. Puttingworld.com as well. Hour number one is in the books. Hour number two is coming up next right here on KDUS AM 1060.